0: Um, we're going to jump into God's Word this morning, and i um, super thankful for Pastor Ron and just the opportunity to share the Word of God with you guys today. And if you want to follow along at all in Scripture, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 10, verse 25. So feel free to turn there in your Bible or on your smartphone. If you're watching from home, you can um, follow along as well. And before we get to that, I've got a couple, um, I'm going to call them disclaimers um, for the message. And the first one, I think this is really important is that um, you know as, as we go through scripture today we have to resist the temptation to be motivated or to be led by guilt um, guilt is a well that runs dry christ is a well that never runs dry and so the, the only way that we can live this message out and really the only way we can live out our faith is by keeping our aim, keeping our eyes fixed on Christ, amen? And so I just want to challenge you guys as you listen, as we follow along today, um, don't let your motivation be guilt. Let it be Christ. Keep your eyes on him. Let him be the one that sustains you through anything that that we're really growing through. And the second is more of a, a little bit of a joke, but um, I, I, just an apology that I feel like whenever I preach, I, I bring a hard hard message. And so I'm sorry for that. You guys are going to, oh, you see me up here, you're going to start leaving or something. Um, I hope not. But um, but, but the word of God, is, it, it touches our lives. It changes. Amen. And we, we can't just talk about the easy things, the good things. We have to talk about the hard things as well. And so um, this is a pretty familiar, um, pretty Um, well-known passage we're talking about the Good Samaritan and I would say um, along with like David and Goliath the Good Samaritan is just one of those stories that everyone knows in the Bible even people outside the circles of faith they know what the Good Samaritan is I was talking with my wife this morning she um, is a nurse at our our, our hospital at Mercy Health and they have for nurses they have this um, code it's like this unwritten code but it's the Good Samaritan rule and basically what it means is that as a nurse if you see someone that's in need um, or struggling or maybe they're sick or whatever uh, when you're out in public that you help take care of them until um, maybe the ambulance or whoever gets there to apply the proper care, right? It's the good Samaritan rule. Um, and along with that, there's actually laws that protect them so that if, if they're, while they're doing anything, something happens, they can't be held liable for just being a good Samaritan while out in public. So, you know, it's just, it's something that we know, we're familiar with it. Um, but what I think we're going to find out today is that maybe, maybe we don't quite understand it as much as we thought we did. Um, and, and I would say that up until recently, I feel like I didn't even understand this story um, to, to its full capacity. Um, I think that we, we lose things in translation. We don't understand um, the, the cultural context of that time, and so it's important to um, to kind of dive into some of those things. So we're going to read um, kind of the intro to the story. I'm going to share a little bit, and then we'll read the rest of it. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Um, this should be our first warning sign that something is It's not good, right? Like, strike one. He's standing up to test Jesus. You shouldn't do that. Um, So by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And at this point, it's like, if he could have just stopped there, like, I think... it it would have been better, you know, but um, we keep reading, it says, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story, so I'm going to point out a couple things. Um, First of all, um, I kind of picture this, like, you guys remember when we were kids, and you'd, like, be at your friend's house, and you can hear them getting in trouble in the other room, and and they just, like, keep going, like, they keep talking, and you're kind of, like, cringing, like, oh, like why'd they say that? you know, or like, oh, they should have stopped um, my my wife went through a phase like that. if you know her, she's like the sweetest, most caring, super nice. Um, Woman, Well, she went through this phase when she was in middle school where she just, like, didn't know when to stop. Like, just kept going. And her sisters would be in the other room like, oh, Molly, don't say that. Like, what are you doing, you know? Um, That's kind of how I picture this going down. It's like, I imagine overhearing and just be like, oh, why did he say that? Like, not good. Um, And then then the second thing um, is, like, you ever like ask your wife or your spouse a question and like right away when it comes out of your mouth you realize like you done messed up right like like I did I did that the other day so I was um, admittedly I was in the wrong but I was looking at my phone for probably an extended period of time I don't know I was doing just scrolling aimlessly and all of a sudden I hear the voice of my wife and she's like are you going to answer me and I was like answer what (laughs) And she's like the question I asked 10 minutes ago I was like oh no and so, you know, it's just it's in those moments that you're like, it's just not going to go well with you. I, I imagine that that's how this situation was going down, right? It's just the tensions are high. Um, what's going to happen? Like, the, the, the man that's asking these questions, he's on thin ice. So the other thing, though, that I think is interesting in this is that I think in a lot of ways, we're probably pretty similar, right? He says he wanted to justify his actions by defining who his neighbor really was, and I think in a lot of ways, we do the same thing. Like, well, my neighbor is just the, the person to the left and to the right of my house. That's it. If I can be nice to them, I'm good, right? It doesn't matter if I cut someone off in traffic or, or tell them they're number one, you know, or it doesn't matter what I do. Like, as long as I'm nice to the people here and the people there, like, we'll be all right. We're trying to justify our actions. And so what Jesus um, goes on to do is, is kind of give a, a definition of who who your neighbor is and how you should love them. It's a story of the Good Samaritan. So picking back up in verse 30, um, Jesus replies with this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside of the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by but then a temple assistant, another translation says a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, um, the man bandaged his, wound, or he bandaged his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took them to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him take care of this man and if the bill runs higher than this i'll pay you for the next time i'm here now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits jesus asked the man replied the one who showed him mercy then jesus said yes now go and do the same um i, I don't know about you guys but we love to put ourselves in the story like Does anyone have like a favorite TV show and when you're with your friends or family, you like to try to put yourself in it like, hey, if if we were the office, Like what character would you be, right? And like, well, you would be Dwight, and you'd be Jim, and you know, you'd be Pam. Like, do you guys do that? Or like, if if we were friends, if we were in the show, friends, which character would you be? And and we kind of pick it out. And sometimes we poke fun at each other. Like, well, you would be Joey, and like, oh no, not Joey. You know, like this is what we do. We like to put ourselves in the story. And I don't know about you guys. Sometimes we do that with Bible stories too. Like David and Goliath, we picture ourselves like we're never Goliath, right? Like he dies. Like we. We're, we're, we're always David, like, swinging our rock. Well, the Good Samaritan, I feel like it's one of those same stories. Even just growing up in church and growing up in Sunday school, you've got, like, the felt board, and, you know, here, here you are. You're the Good Samaritan. And um, anyways, recently, I, I started kind of studying this story. It was a couple of months ago, probably. And um, I just started getting this feeling. Um, it was this really overwhelming, kind of, like, gut-wrenching, unsettling feeling on the inside, and it's this. I'm I'm not the Samaritan. I'm not the Samaritan. No, none of us really are the Samaritan. You're like, what do you What do you mean? Like, you seem like a nice guy. Like, you'd help someone on the side of the road, right? Well, yeah, I, I would hope so. But let's look at it by definition. Who were the Samaritans? See, we we kind of read this at face value, and and we don't realize that that the, the Samaritans. They were despised, like it says that in the text. But then we can, we can do a little bit of research and find out that the Samaritans, they were, they were actually um, almost hated by the Jews, right? They, they were seen as outcasts in society. Why was this? Well, when Israel was in exile, a portion of the Israelites that became the Samaritans, they decided not to go back with the rest of the Israelites. They stayed there and they um, intermarried and and had children with um, the Gentiles, whoever they were living in that region, and they became what is known as the Samaritans. They were um, literally half-breeds. That's what what we can find when we research this. They were half-breeds, so they were part Jew, part Gentile, and they really didn't fit in with either of them because the Gentiles are like, well, you're intermarried with the Jews, and the Jews are like, you're intermarried with the Gentiles, and so they became this own little group of people called the Samaritans. And so, when Jesus starts telling this story, and he says a Samaritan came along and took care of this person that the priest and the Levite failed to take care of, I think this would be really, to the people at that time, would be really eye-opening. Like, that'd be like, um, Me getting up here, uh, oh wait, I'm not going to go to that yet. Um, So who are the other two people? The priest and the Levite. The priest and the Levite were um, really seen as high-level roles in the, the Jewish society at the time. They were people that were serving within the church they had leadership um, and they they were probably well known so imagine maybe your favorite christian author or your favorite christian artist Um, maybe it was like pastor stephen furtick you know does everyone know who he is elevation church Um, or maybe it was um, louis giglio or someone from the worship team at elevation church like these were well-known people And, and maybe if we break it down a little bit more by definition, I think that we are more like the, the, the priest and the Levite than we realize, right? Like if, if by definition, we, we don't want to admit this, but, but if we look at the story, who, who would we be today? I think we'd be the priest and the Levite. And, and that's, that becomes kind of a tough, tough pill to swallow. Um, and so let me let me put this in today's terms. This is the the Jonathan Scouton translation, the JST. I'm going to rewrite this for 2021. Okay. So a man was living in Muskegon, and he worked at a certain company. Maybe it was a shop, and. Um, you know, he was, he was really struggling in, at his job. Um, he was probably on the verge of maybe getting fired. You could just tell he was struggling, but, but maybe what we don't know is that his marriage was falling apart and he was struggling to keep up with the bills, he couldn't pay the rent, and he was just really struggling. But by God's grace, by God's mercy, um, there was another man there from Life Change Church in Muskegon, and um, God had placed him there to make an impact on this man like he was there for no other reason but to impact this man who was going through hard times and so this man from the church i'm making this up i'm not pointing fingers okay (laughs) this man from the church he he sees them and he one day he feels like god's telling him go and go and reach out to this man he's in need you know you can pray for him you can encourage him and the man he might be you or it might be me He's like, well, um, this is inner dialogue, right? Um, I'm I'm kinda busy today, I got a lot on my plate, and I've never really prayed for anyone before at my workplace, like I just kinda do that at church, and um, I'm just so busy, and after work, I've gotta go home, have dinner, and then we've got a prayer meeting tonight at church, and so, um, you know, I'm just gonna avoid them for the rest of the day, and maybe the feelings will go away, But, but by God's grace, right? another person this man is a worship leader at a a different church up the road and and after work um the man stops at wesco he stops at a gas station and and he happens to run into him and he's like oh i can see that this man is struggling maybe he was tearing up a little bit or he was struggling to pay for his gas or whatever and and god tells this man who is the worship leader why don't you go and help him you know, he feels this, this unction to go and do that. And he's like, well, um, you know, I would, but I've got band practice and I've gotta to get to the church. I've gotta meet with the pastor and I'm, I'm just kinda busy, but maybe if I see him again, I'll, I'll help him, you know, and I'm less busy. See, this is everyday church. Like these opportunities are before us every day to be the good Samaritan, to be what, what God is asking us to do in this story. When our basis for helping and loving others becomes about social status, political party, having similar beliefs, our comfort level, our convenience, I think we're really missing the heart of the gospel and the heart of God's love. And that's really the message for today. And so in writing this, I got to this point and I was like feeling this, um, this need to have like some points for you guys to write down and take home and they just weren't coming. But what I was getting was two questions. Two questions that kind of arise from this story, and so instead of kind of going in the the um, template, I guess, of how we usually do messages, I'm like, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to answer these two questions. We're going to answer these two questions today. And the first one is this: Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I remember a couple years ago um, i started meeting with a man from our church his name is richard baldwin he's he's here today he's one of our elders i love richard um he he wasn't an elder at the time he was kind of new to the church at the time and we were would go to mr b's quite often and have breakfast and um, just started developing a really good relationship and um, one of the first times that we had met he he kind of um, challenged me and i love this about richard he always asked the hard questions um and some he doesn't care if he makes you feel uncomfortable like that's just rich right and so he asked me this question he's like jonathan you know i really love the church i love the things that i'm seeing um i love our vision grow love and reach um he's like but i have a question for you he's like are you really willing to do what it takes to reach our community the way that you talk about i'm like what do you mean and he's like well he's like what what if it means loving somebody that looks differently than you do Or what if it means loving someone that makes you feel uncomfortable or going to a part of town that you're not used to going to? And um, it really challenged me, you know, because I think we love to talk the talk, but are we willing to walk the walk? When it comes to this stuff like we love to come here on sundays and talk about god's love but but what are we doing the rest of the week like we'll love when it's convenient for us if you come within the four walls of this church we'll love you like crazy you know but man don't catch me on a tuesday Ugh, that's not good right and 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 what if, what if that person looks differently than you? Or what if they vote differently than you? Or what if they have different beliefs about um, marriage than you do? Or, or whatever, you know, do, do you love that person still just the same? See, loving Christians is great. And don't get me wrong, church, I love church. I was just talking to my dad um, a couple weeks ago. And um, I, I especially right now love church. Like, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Church is like the safest, most free place for me to be lately. There's no place I'd rather be than with you guys on Sunday, okay? So don't take this the wrong way. But, but loving the people who are already saved isn't enough. Like, we're missing a whole part of the gospel that God's called us to. And not, not just me, not just Pastor Ron. This is the gospel for all of us. The great commission right to go therefore and make disciples so who who is my neighbor we're going to try and answer that and the simple answer to that is everyone is your neighbor that's really what jesus is getting at in this story everyone is your neighbor We can break this down in a few different ways. Um, It's the people in our neighborhood, like the immediate people that live around you. It's the people in our city, in Muskegon County. It's the people in our country, uh, our fellow United States citizens. um, And it's the people around the world. In the book of Acts, it talks about going from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the the earth as you spread the gospel. It's like this out um, pouring rings of, of love that goes from where you live your neighborhoods to the nations, right? Um, another way to look at it is it consists of people that you know well. Maybe it's people that you see on a daily basis, you have a relationship with them. Um, it's people that you interact with regularly. Maybe you know their name and you might know a little bit about them. Maybe you work with them and have gotten to know them a little bit. Um, then your acquaintances, like the, the girl at the gas station that you see every day or the girl at the coffee shop or, or whatever, um, to people you don't know and then even to, yes, our enemies. We're called to love all of these people. All of these people fall into that category of a neighbor. In um, Luke chapter six, I think this is important to read. It says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And this is tough tough scripture, isn't it? Because if, if we're honest, like it can be really hard to love those people. It can be really hard to extend the same grace, the same mercy, the same forgiveness that we've been shown to those groups of people. I did a little bit of study um, about just just population, and we just had the 2020 census, and so um, a lot of this stuff is readily available right now. Um, Muskegon County, there's an estimated 173,000 people living in Muskegon County right now, 173,000. It's remained relatively steady over the last five years, right around that number. Um, It's estimated that 30% of those are involved in some form of religious congregation, okay? So let's just assume for a minute that all of those people, all those 30% are are, um, in a Christian congregation, one, and and two, that they're actually saved. We'll just make that assumption, which is probably pretty big, but we'll make that assumption. That means that here living in Muskegon County alone, there are over 120,000 people that if nothing else changes, they're dying and going to hell, living eternally separated from the Father. 120,000 people right here within our own community. I think this is really important to look at, too. If we were to to have um, 100 more churches the same size as ours, like 100 more the same size as Life Change Church, we still wouldn't even be reaching half of the unreached people in our community. 100 more churches like this one, we still wouldn't even be reaching half of our community. The 2020 census shows that 15% of Muskegon population is living at or below poverty. It's estimated that over 25,000 people living in Muskegon are food insecure, meaning they don't know where they're going to get their next meal. Why, Why do I share this? Why is this important? Church family, these are problems that we can solve. Like, I'm not talking about cancer. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about things that we can solve today. Like, we could leave this place and make a difference in these problems today. Nothing. That's it. We can change these things. These are solvable problems, right? Um, One more. Over 600 kids in the foster care system in Muskegon County right now. Um, And it's estimated that there are 120,000 in the foster care system in the U.S. Why is this significant? Well, there's um, an estimated 350,000 churches in the U.S. right now. 350,000 churches. So if one person out of one out of every three churches in the U.S. were to take in a a child from foster care, that problem would be eliminated just by the church alone, nothing else. One person from one out of every three. Church, these are problems that we can take care of. When Jesus says to, to take care of the least of these, when he talks about in James that this is true religion to care for widows and orphans, these are things that we can do like, this is how we love our neighbor. It's by doing these things. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about some social justice movement. I'm talking about the love of Christ that's radically changed our life going out to the community around us. Uh, one more. In the U.S., it's estimated 331 million people. And in the last decade, they estimate that church attendance has declined between 10 and 20% in the last 10 years. Actually, 2009 was um, almost the peak of church attendance in the US in 2009. And since then, it's gone down between 10 and 20%. What does this tell us? To me, I look at it as such an opportunity to do good, such an opportunity to be a light in our community, to, to make a change, right? There are endless options, endless possibilities of things that we can do. And I'm not talking about things that are impossible like the things that I just read to you, we can do these things. We can start programs, we can change our heart, we can reach out to the people next to us and we can go on and on, we can talk about divorce, we can talk about addiction, all of these things. So who is our neighbor? This is what we're trying to define. The question we're trying to answer, who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is the single mom, right? Who you look at her and you're like, I don't know if she's got it together. She probably doesn't, you're right. She's struggling to pay the bills, she's struggling to keep her you know, multiple kids in line. She's struggling, but she's our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? It's the guy next door that his dog just won't shut up. (laughs) You just wanna give him a piece of your mind. That's probably me, sorry. (laughs) That's our neighbor. It's the guy that cuts you off in traffic and you wanna chase him down and tell him what a jerk he was for not using his blinker. That's our neighbor, right? It's the guy when you're walking through Meijer and, and you're like, what's that? Oh, it's weed. <laughs> that's, that's our neighbor, right? See, we have to stop judging people who sin differently than we do because at the end of the day, our neighbors are no different than we are. They're just as much a sinner in need of a savior as we are. They just sin differently than we do. Like, we're Christians. We, we kind of hide our sins sometimes, don't we? <laughs> We've gotta make some change, church. We can't keep doing things the same way that we've always done them. We can't. Because like I said in the last 10 years, 10 to 20% decline in church attendance. And I don't even know what it's gonna look like after they recalculate it from COVID, right? (laughs) How do I love them? How do I love my neighbors? This is the second question. First one is who is my neighbor? I think we defined that. Second one is, is how do I love them? Um, I love the, a couple quotes I want to read to you guys. If you can quote to me the love of Christ, but you haven't experienced it or extended it, do you really know what the love of Christ is? Right? Like the love of Christ is so radical that it comes in and it transforms everything about you, and you can't help but share it with the world around us. Like we can't just keep this to ourselves. Like if, if God, if Christ is everything that he says he is, why would we want to keep it to ourself? Amen? Like, we we don't have a reason, but yet we we allow our insecurities, we allow our fears, we allow our our schedule, our busyness. Like, you're going to tell me that we're going to tell, I'm preaching to myself this morning just as much as you. I don't have this figured out, church. I'm going to tell God, the God of the universe who sent his son to die for me, like, hey God, I know you're telling me to minister to my neighbor right now, but I'm just kind of busy. We're going to tell God that? Like, do we understand who we're talking to? It's God. How do I love them? If you want to know how loving you really are, look at the way that you treat people that can't help you at all. <laughs> I love that. How, are, how do you treat people that can't help you at all? So this love, like it can't, like I was saying, it can't come from, from a place of guilt. It can't come from a place of, of um, you know, social justice movement. All, all those things are great, but but they eventually run dry. They're wells that run dry. It can only come from a relationship with the Father. It can only come from our life, just like Pastor Ron's been talking about, our life being transformed by the love of the Father and then reflecting it to the people around us. First John 3 says it this way, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Let me read that again. Listen, this is important. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we'll be confident on the day we stand before God. The message translation says it really well. My dear children, let's not just talk about love, let's practice real love. See, this is about putting, putting some actions to our words, right? We, we can come here and talk about loving all we want, but until it changes the way that we live our everyday life, it's, it's pointless, it's meaningless. If the love of God is gonna make a difference flowing through us, then we can't just love when it's convenient, because then we're no different than the priest and the Levite in this story we're no different than them we have to be willing to love when it's inconvenient love when it's uncomfortable love sacrificially and love beyond our preferences what do you mean by that you, you can't just love when it's convenient you can't just show love to your neighbor when it's easy for you you can't just show love to your neighbor um, when it when it doesn't affect your pocketbook right see this man the, the Samaritan, what's so crazy about what he did is he took something that was convenient for him and used it to meet the need of somebody else. What do you mean by that? Something that makes your life easier, like you're doing fine, and he used it to meet the need of somebody else. That's what's so radical about this story, church. Loving beyond our preferences. What does this mean? This, I think this really hits home. It means loving people that voted differently than us. It means loving people that post things on Facebook that make us really angry. It means um, loving people that maybe look at marriage differently than you do. It means loving people that um, maybe make fun of you at work. It means loving beyond what, what is normal for us, right? It's, it's easy to love you guys. You guys are easy to love. You're, you're like me, we're like each other. It's hard to love people that, that see the world differently than I do. And that doesn't mean that we excuse sin. That's what I'm talking about. That's another message, right? Sin is sin. Like, we'll, we'll call sin for what it is. But, but that's not our place. Like, God is the one who sits on the judgment seat. We are the one who are his vehicle to bring his love to this world. Amen? So I wanted to um, share some specific examples, and we're, we're kind of running out of time here, but some specific examples, because in James it says um, that we can't just have faith and not show it by our actions. We have to um, have faith that, that leads us to good works, right? And so I wanted some specific examples of how we could put this to action. How can we love in a way that, that really has the power to change this world? So, um, I, and I love this too, you guys. If we want to reach people that no one's reaching, we have to be willing to do things that no one is doing. See, everyone, not, not everyone, but there's, there's church services going around all around this community right now, all around this community, all around this country, right? But everyone's doing that. And, and if we just resort to inviting them in and hoping that they will come, you know, like what's that movie, Build It and They Will Come, like that's not working. Church attendance is declining. We have to be willing to do things that no one else is doing. So what does that look like? Here's a few examples. Um, you can lighten their load. Okay, wh- what does that mean? It means um, maybe helping with yard work for your neighbor. Maybe, maybe you see a coworker that's struggling and, and, and you, you start a conversation with them. Hey man, how can I help you? right? And, and we know, we, we ask these questions a lot of times, but we just kind of leave the ball in their court, like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. Well, they don't ever let you know. Like, I don't ever let you know. <laughs> just, we don't do that. So instead, why don't you say, hey, I can see that you're struggling. I'm going to come over and help you. When is a good time? I can see that you're struggling. I want to make you a meal. Let me know what a good day is, and I've got a meal for you and your family. See, we have to get more specific with it. Um, extend grace to others. What does this look like? It means um, understanding that when someone cuts you off in traffic or when someone gives you a dirty look in public that maybe there's more going on behind the story that you don't understand. I used to always get so, I still do um, get mad when people cut me off, but when when my wife was having contractions one to two minutes apart and I was on my way to the hospital, I didn't care who I was cutting off in traffic. I was getting to the hospital, man. And so now I look at people different because I don't know why they're doing that. Maybe they're a teenager that's being dumb. Maybe, maybe they're someone that has an emergency, you know? So we have to extend grace to our neighbors. Build others up. What does this look like? Speak words that are our life. It means thinking twice before posting something on Facebook. It means thinking twice before sending that email that you know you probably shouldn't send, right? Use your words to build others up. Um, get to know your neighbors. Get to know their names. It seems simple, right? But get to know them and then start praying for them by name. Ask that God would give you an opportunity to be a witness to your neighbor And, and then just sit back and watch how God works through that. Get to know their names, pray for them by name and watch for God to work. Um, check up on them, meet a need that they have, invite them to a small group or invite them to church. These are all um, literal things that we can do to start loving our neighbors better. Um, and I want to end, I know we're, we're kind of out of time here, I want to end with a couple of things. Our ability to love our neighbors cannot extend from guilt or self-motivation, but only from an intimate relationship with a loving father. First John 4 says it this way, God showed me how much he loved us by sending his one and only son to the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. See, this can't be something that that we do out of our own strength. It has to be reflecting the grace and the truth and the forgiveness and the mercy that God has shown us to the world around us. We extend grace and mercy and generosity from our neighborhoods to the nations. It's an outpouring of God's love flowing through us as his vehicle. It can come from nothing else. And we can only have that by having an intimate relationship with the Father. When I serve out of guilt or when I serve out of obligation, I grow weary. But when I serve out of my relationship with Christ, it doesn't matter what you ask me to do. I'm always running on full because Christ is continuously filling me, right? So it has to come from that relationship with him. And then finally, and this is so important, you guys, only the love of God flowing through his sons and daughters has the power to change the world. Let me tell you something, a political party isn't gonna change this country. A new president isn't gonna change this country. Only God's love flowing through you and me can change this country, amen? Amen. Nothing else can. So why do we keep putting all of our faith, why do we keep putting all of our hope in all these other things? Is it because we wanna skirt by the responsibility that God's given us, right? God has you in the place where you're working right now for a reason, and it's not to collect a paycheck. It's to be a witness to the people that you're working with. God has you in the neighborhood that you're in. He planted you there for a reason. It's to be a witness to your neighbors. God has you go into that same coffee shop every day where the same person is working every day so you can be a witness to that person. That's it. So I want to close, and then I, I just want to take this time of worship. And, and really, this is what I want to do, church, that we ask God. See, we, we can't do this on our own. I keep saying this. We have to ask God to change our hearts. Because only, that's the only way we can do this differently. Amen? So let's ask God to change our hearts this morning, and, and, and let us press into him through worship. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you that it's truth. God, that it, it touches our hearts, Father. And right now, church, I want, I want us to put our hands um, facing out, like out of the building. Get the idea that we're facing out to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Facing out, we're going to pray for our community right now. And God, I just pray right now as we pray, God, that you'd begin to change our hearts. God, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, that we would see this community the way that you do, God. That we would know that we can't keep going about things the same way that we've always done them. God, we've got to change our ways. If we want to reach this community in a way that it's never been reached before, we've got to do things different. God, so we lift up Muskegon County to you right now. God, I pray that our hearts would ache for Muskegon County. God, we lift up the over 120,000 people in this county that if nothing else changes, they're going to live separated from you, Father. We lift them up to you. God, I pray that we would have windows and doors of opportunity to speak the gospel to them, that we could show them your love through our actions and through our words, God, that we could extend the same mercy and forgiveness that we've so graciously been shown. God, we pray for salvations. God, we pray for people that have walked away from you, that they would come back. God, we pray that churches would be filled again. God, that we would stop seeing other churches that are competition, Lord, but we would see that they are actually our allies, God, that we're in this together. God, that that there would be unity amongst the churches in Muskegon County to make a difference, to make a change. God, that churches would be filled again. And God, we pray this from our neighborhoods to the nations, that the word of God would go forth and that lives would be changed because of it. Father, help us to be your hands and your feet in everything that we do. Help us to live out this message, God, not out of guilt, but out of an intimate relationship with you, with a loving Father. In your name we pray, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through MyLifeChangeChurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to MyLifeChangeChurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.